Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are going to be talking about playing for a team. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Guys, it is episode 18. Uh, and uh, as always, I've got Matt Brabbins with me. My name is Jeff McLennan. Uh, Jeremy Ray is on vacation, so filling in for him today, we have Jay Hazelwood. Uh, Jay is a realtor at Remax Advantage with us. In a previous life, he was a mortgage broker. Uh, he's born and raised in New West, and Jay is on a team, and we're going to be talking all about the decision to either work with a team of realtors or with a solo agent today, so he'll bring lots to that. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thanks, guys. What's going on? Oh, you know, stuff and things, summering around, getting getting ready for the fall market. Are you in full summer mode? I'm getting out of full summer mode. I, as as of like a week ago, I was uh, I was away and uh, just sort of getting back in the swing of things and uh, get, I just getting set. I feel like that's what everyone's doing this week. Yeah. What What was the best thing in summer mode? Best thing in summer mode was when it was sunny and not smoky. Um, you know, getting out on the lake and uh, having a little float around and. Yeah, then the smoke came in and kind of kind of put a damper on that, but yeah. Yeah, the smoke was gross. I think I've still got the black lung a little bit. What'd they say? Like, it was the equivalent of smoking seven cigarettes a day? Yeah, the number kind of moved up and down depending on how bad it was. And who you were talking to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever smoked seven cigarettes in a day, but I feel like that would feel worse. Yeah. Matt, what's up with you? Um... I was going to talk about how I noticed that no one's around, not just in real estate, but in town. Like this week is really just dead. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm more interested in talking about is something that came up last night. Uh, I got my, so my, my cabin is up in Tulamine and mm-hmm. we have a Facebook group there and somebody posted in the group that their cabin is up for sale. Okay. Everybody gets excited. And they didn't list with Matt Brabbins. And that's okay. <laughs> uh, so they put it up and it's got, it sort of checks a lot of the boxes. My brother-in-law and sister are kind of thinking of buying a place out there so they they consider it so it's just if a listing comes up they want to know about it so she's like this isn't this isn't on mls this is just here on the facebook and you know send me a message if you want any details or more photos so she puts up one exterior photo uh the it's 1300 square feet two bedrooms uh no photos no price that's some old school real estate. Yeah, sales. I was like, is this like 1996 real estate? Like, seriously, that's the old newspaper ad technique. Yeah, call for details. I was so annoyed. So then she gets all these messages because everybody who's into Lamine wants to know because we're all just curious. Yeah, what the appetite is and where our values sit. And so she's getting like bombarded with all of these comments. PM do you? PM do you? PM do you? Send me details, please. Send me detail, please. And then by the end of the night, last night, she she puts in a note that says, uh, thanks so much for all the interest. I can't get to all of you today, so I'll get back to it tomorrow. Like, you could just post it in the thread. Then that's what I said. I commented. I was like, um, maybe you could post the just the price. And yeah. then people would know if it's in the realm of affordability for them, and then they will inquire. And then your inquiries aren't going to be just looky-loos. Yeah. Who just want to know the price. So annoyed. How did she respond to your comment? I got no response. No comments in this now 30 comment thread have any likes to them whatsoever, except for mine, 
that now is up to about a dozen. <laughs> you're the champion of the people. Yeah. <laughs> You've also now been added to her mailing list and you receive monthly updates with stuff you don't care about. With her for sale by owner. Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's like, I don't know. It, she's not the first person to do this in town. So clearly somebody's talking around the coffee shop about how they think this is some brilliant model. But right. we live in an era of information. Jab, jab, jab. Mm-hmm. We'll give you a reference for you guys there. I know I both get, you go and got that. I got it. Yeah. I, yeah. It's more for the audience. Right. Yeah. Right. Hook. <laughs> uh, so a little more give uh, before you want to get. Man, I was so annoyed. So. Well, this is, this is part of the problem, too, when, when people don't sell things on a regular basis and then jump into it is she may have like if you had told me, hey, Jeff, I'm thinking of doing this thing, I would have said to you, you're going to annoy everybody who wants to buy your home. Whereas uh, she may have had no idea, right? She's maybe just thinking like, oh, well, it'll be good. I want to have conversations with the people who are interested. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So that's that's what's on my mind today. And I'm, I'm actually like wearing it. I am frustrated. I am I'm physically annoyed by this. So I hope it goes away soon enough. So we'll uh, we'll carry on. Jeff, what's new with you, my friend? Well, I had so much fun last night. So a client of mine, uh, they were short for a team of trivia at, um, is it District Tap House? Is that the new Sapperton? Yeah, I think that's yeah, what they call Sapper- it. Yeah. Sapperton District Tap House, yeah. So I've got the words out of order? No, I think they're in order. You just forgot the Sapperton bit, although I don't know if that's necessarily okay. part of the name. I don't think not, that's in the name. No? So, okay. So uh, once a I'm week wrong. on Tuesdays, they do trivia night, and it is so much fun. Um <laughs> And I'm totally biased because we won. <laughs> of course it was fun. Yeah. And um, and we, we got a free flight of beer for winning. You uh, had to share a flight of beer? Yeah, but there... Did you each get your own individual shot of well, beer? They, they brought four flights, like oh, okay. four, four glasses in the flight. And then we had cups because, I mean, there were only five of us. Um, but everybody wanted to try a little bit of everything. So we just pour into cups and whatnot. Okay. Um. But it is fun. I had no idea, um, and it was packed. Like the place, the place was busy, and, and everyone in there is intended to be participating. Well, I ran into another client when I got there, and I immediately walked over to him, and I'm like, "Ian, I'm going to crush you tonight. You should have invited me." <laughs> um, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "It's trivia night." And he's like, "Oh, cool." And and uh, he stayed and played, and we crushed him. Uh, but uh, I don't know that everybody. Knew that there was trivia night, but everybody got into it. And there were definitely were people who show up every week. Like (laughs) the team that I was playing with, they show up every week and they're like, okay, we got to watch out for those guys (laughs) and those people over there. And there was one guy whose team name was Sean. I hope his name was Sean. And he was just sitting by himself, which made me a little, I thought he would be a contender for sure. I'm like, you came to trivia night by yourself? Like that dude's, that dude's serious. Yeah. He maybe doesn't want people on the team because they're not good enough. Yeah, they're just going to hold them back. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good time. And I think uh, if people are looking for something fun to do on a Tuesday night in New West, uh, it's definitely, uh, they should put that on their list and give it a try. Nice. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah, so that's my news. Do we do we have news this week, Matt? Oh, I found some news. All right. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. 
I got a newsflash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. The news today is an article that was posted uh, in on a variety of sources again, like every time. I noticed that every time I talk about the news, I tend to quote either the province or the sun. Okay. And I thought maybe some of our listeners uh, would think that I should go elsewhere. Uh, but it turns out they're always talking about the same thing. It's just how they present it. Um, right, I see. Like once one paper grabs it, they all kind of run with it. Is that what yeah, you mean? Yeah. yeah, so it's just presented different ways. And I tend to uh, go to the province only because I find they have, uh, people probably disagree with me on this, higher journalistic standards. So I feel Ooh. when, not, not compared to the sun, <laughs> the sun and the province both have the, have have a high standard. The sun actually, for me, it just, it tends to go into more detail. So for the purpose of our show is, is, too, is actually a too long of an article to try to dissect Okay. Just to throw a couple tidbits out there. Right. Same thing goes for like Globe and Mail or some of those other ones, right? So the province does it in a more condensed format, but I trust the information they put out there versus some of these other sources, which is exactly the point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote the news, but I also think it's funny. I, I got this article from Daily Hive, and it's probably like 600 words, but 200 of them are just repeated. They repeat one sentence four times. Okay. In this short little Must be a piece. really important <laughs> sentence. <laughs> it's just... So the point is, the point of the article is that the headline reads, uh, BC has the fastest rising home prices in Canada. This was published yesterday. What? This is in reference to the recent stats report released by CREA, the Canadian Real Estate Association. Yeah. They've released their stats for all of the country, they say. And uh, I'll, I'll boil down the article's results to essentially one thing. So they say BC has the fastest rising prices in Canada. Uh, the, the region that is the fastest is Fraser Valley. It's at 13.8% year over year growth. We're talking July. So we're not, we're talking the relationship from today from a year ago. July 2017 versus July 2018. So even though prices are down since February, they've still gone up higher yeah, and yeah. that's how housing and, stats and especially like to look in the it. valley, I guess too. Probably right. right. So there's so okay. Valley is growing the fastest at thirteen point eight percent. Second fastest is Victoria at eight point two four percent. And I was like, okay, well that's interesting. But I always like to understand my sources. Uh, so I'll let you guys comment on the news here in a moment. But that's essentially the guts of the news article. It's that and they just repeat it. Yeah, region number one is Fraser Valley. Region number two is Victoria. Uh, Vancouver isn't falling according to this. It's just uh, it's just there. But I was like, okay, well what are the regions? What are they? So I actually went and pulled the report because I was curious to look at it this report is so flawed yeah it's based on mls mls data that's collected um and using the home price index and we've talked about this on previous episodes but it's only the boards that use data that allows them to create a home price index so so the bc stats when i look at it and they provide the regions there's nothing for the interior like Kelowna, kamloops like if you don't include Kelowna, yeah as part of a comparison in BC, we're not really giving a very fair representation of the province. If all we're doing is we're talking about, you know, lower mainland metro Vancouver plus Vancouver Island, and that's it. Yeah. That's not fair is to say Is this comparing that... to the whole country or are we just comparing BC? <laughs> well, the author of this article has, is, is calling it BC because it's taking the only data that's available for BC. Hmm. So I guess the areas where there's no data is not skewing it down. It's just not available, it's period. not and, contributing. Yeah, right. That's, so it yeah. creates incredibly skewed data. Yeah. Because imagine if we added 
northern BC and the interior and, um, you know, all, all of this, you know, Kootenays and this kind of stuff, right? So it's just not, it's not represented. And the same goes across the country. Essentially, it's only taking data from the boards in the major cities for right. each respective province. Uh, so I thought that was, that was really, uh, really flawed. And uh, they're, they're missing a lot of data there. I wonder if the writer of the article understands that they're missing that much data and they just went with it or if they thought that they had everything they need. Well, this is how all of these articles are written, right? They take the information that's being provided to them and they don't try to break it down like I am. I just, I hate to quote something on our show without knowing the source of the information. So I went and looked to look at it and then I realized how limited the information was. Um, Like other than being a snappy headline, what use is it is the problem, I think. Yeah, I think the, all all the article really did as, as far as benefiting the readers is at the very end it quotes a recent uh, Angus Reid poll that we were talking about the other day at lunch about how 30% of or mm-hmm. renters want prices to go down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went then I went and I read that article. So in our next sort of news story is that yes, all homeowners would like prices to go down. Yeah. Roughly 10% decrease in value is sort of what is the more common choice. And then uh, the less invested people are in the market, the bigger decrease they want. Sure. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. So no surprises. Um, And sort of that was the next part that they sort of sent people onto that part. So yeah, prices are still rising in BC and people want prices to go down. That headline is so deceptive. And I think a really good example of how you can manipulate stats to say what you want to say because while that statement is true based on how they measured it i don't think anybody who is dealing with real estate in greater vancouver right now would say prices are rapidly rising fastest rising in canada yeah like i i don't even know what purpose that headline serves sensationalizing the real estate industry yeah i guess that's, i guess that's, clicks. that's it click, yeah click, 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 click. yeah and it completely counteracts the story from last week that says prices yeah. are falling right you know that here we've had all these significant decreases so we t- i keep talking about this how you can spin stats whichever way you want to create whichever conversation you want and the newspapers are clearly playing that game last week was the sky is falling this week is optimism and the whole reason why I bring this up for our listeners is that you consume this information from the news as ho- you're hoping that it's going to help you. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, too, because people out there are reading these stories. Like, I, I have a client right now with a home for sale that is priced too high. And we keep having conversations about the fact that it's priced too high because of how the market has changed. And then they see articles like this, and they send them to me. And they're like, okay, well... Maybe I just need to hang on because prices are rising. And you're like, no, they like this article is deceptive. It's technically true. But the way they're measuring, this isn't what's happening. But people, A, you know, they're selling and they don't want to lose the value of their home. So they want to believe the article. Mm -hmm. And it is deceptive. That article says like, it's not like they've misinterpreted what that article is saying. It's saying prices are rapidly rising. Well, why is my realtor telling me my price is too high? Well, turns out that, you know, it's just a snappy headline. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, is um, that if, if, if even if they did have all of BC as, as their sample, that their, their time frame's off. And it, it could be that, that in that time frame, yes, prices are, prices are up yes. from year over year or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, when you, when you look at the actual last, the data from the last three to six months, then it, it's showing a totally different story. And that's, that, that's what people need, need to narrow in on and what, what is more important. Yeah. 
Definitely. So we will continue to break down the headlines and help the consumers understand which news will actually help them in their decisions with their real estate. Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, you lost wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So way back in episode four, we talked a lot about how do you pick your realtor. And if you want to go back and listen to it, uh, there is a lot in that episode. But something we did not cover is the advantages and disadvantages of working with an agent who is working on their own versus somebody who is part of a larger team. And there's lots of different team models. Um, And I think one disclaimer we should put forward before we talk about it, and we're going to try and talk pros and cons about both sides, but all three of us are part of two-man teams. So we all do come from a very similar uh, background, although I think when we get into it, we'll see that even within that structure, every one of us has a completely different way of running. Yeah, all three of our two-person teams are, I think, managed completely different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So uh, without, uh, well, why don't we get into it? So uh, Matt, what were what were some things you wanted to talk about about what people should be considering with uh, should they work with a team or should they go solo? Uh, I'll start for, sort of from a high level, right? Okay. So that a consumer is looking at this and thinking, um, maybe it depends on when you realize you're working with a team. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> Did, are you are you knowingly thinking of hiring a team to represent you as either buyer or seller, mm-hmm. or did you just come across an individual? who you like or was recommended to you by a friend or someone you trust. And then you discover that they're on a team. And then what does that mean? Right? So uh, people look at it from different perspectives. Um, This can be broken down in so many ways. So I've got a few things, but the funny thing is the first thing that comes to me when I think of when I'm talking to a consumer about understanding, working with a team in real estate is I have more, I worry about the disadvantages more than the advantages first. Of working with a team. Yeah. I worry about the big teams. I worry about people getting handed off to a junior agent who's less experienced, uh, maybe if you're a buyer. And I worry about... Right, um, because there are some pyramid-structured teams, like some models where there are 30 people on that team, and there's like a captain, and then it goes down the pyramid... What do they and, call those, like the Rainmaker team or something like that? <laughs> Never heard the, that. There's the guy at the top who just makes makes the leads rain down on all of his uh, inferior workers or whatever. And... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are those are the big ones. Yeah. And that's, that's really where you just get handed off to who knows who it might be. But then there's even the three or four person team where you've got sort of a, the senior name who's really recognized in that community. Right. Um, but they they try to put all of the the labor the legwork into their junior agent or their two junior agents and they focus their attention on maybe their long-term clients or the bigger money deals or whatever it is and you just want to know where you as a as a client are going to fall in it's the pecking order. It's definitely a conversation like there are some questions you should be asking whether it's a two-person team or whatever and I, I think yeah one of those is, is like okay well I've established my relationship with X am I working with X the whole way through? Do you guys trade off? Am I going to get assigned to someone else? Like now that I've signed the listing, am I ever going to see you again is probably an important question. And I mean, whether it's big or small teams, everybody does it their own way, right? You might have a big team where team captain, 
he does all the listing stuff, but you're not going to see him on the buying side of things. He's mm-hmm. he's just works the listings and he has agents that do the buying stuff. Or maybe you get assigned to one member of the team and that's that's your point of contact the whole time. I I had one negotiating with a team a few years ago where who you talk to depended on what time of day it was and it changed every hour and negotiating a deal was so frustrating i bet because i would call in and i'd be like hey i'm the guy with the offer on such and such property they'd be like we already have an offer on such and such property i'm like i know it's me but i have a counter offer for your offer and they're like oh well have you thought about and, and basically we started negotiating every time and i'm like okay i've got an hour if I can't if I can't close this in an hour, I'm starting off with someone new. Maybe maybe that's their tactic. Is it just trying to frustrate you? And you, you it say, was okay, so frustrating. It. Finally, I got to the point where I'm like, I am only willing to talk to the team captain. And if you want to put a deal together, she's got to call me because I'm not starting over every hour. This yeah. is insane. Yeah, this is completely counterproductive. So those are my big fears yeah. with teams is is big and then getting sort of put off onto handed off somewhere. Now some listeners would be listening and they're like, well, you know, I have the expensive house in the good neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you should feel good about yourself because you're gonna get you're gonna get top dog in that team, whoever he who he or she is. But who knows who's going to be hosting your open house on Sunday? Yeah, and, and you might even be okay with all of that stuff. But these are questions you should probably ask before. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, why don't you tell us um, about your team structure? I think we should all talk about our teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so my team is more of a partnership. So there, there are two of us. It's myself and my mom. Uh, and she's been in the business for, for a long time. And sort of that's what got me into the business. I sort of grew up with real estate. Um, and so we're, we're sort of just like a, just a 50-50 partnership. Um, anybody who hires me is essentially hiring both of us. We're totally transparent about that. So... Um, everybody is totally aware that's, that's, that, that they're getting both of us and, and it's, it's been very well received for the most part. Um, usually one of us will take the lead on, on one thing or another, whether it's a listing or buyer and, um, and we might bounce and bounce back and forth a little bit. But for example, you're talking about like negotiations. If I've got a buyer I'm negotiating on a, on a house with, then I'm going to be the one who's going to be seeing that all the way through, although both of us are going to be up to date and we'll know exactly what's going on regardless. Right. So if, if, for example, I, need, I needed to, to head out of town or something like that, if I had something going on, that, um, that, that Allison would be able to pick it up right where I left off and, and would be just, just, just as, as though I was doing it. What I really want to add to that too, because you're saying during the negotiation, you're both up to date on what's going on, even yeah. though you're the only person who's communicating with your client and the agent on the other side. And I think that's a huge advantage to teams mm-hmm. is that you've got, as they say, two heads are better than one. For sure. Right in the middle of a negotiation, um, there might be good cop, bad cop. There might be a different perspective that you can bring where you're like, oh, okay, I, I hear that, you know, maybe this negotiation is frustrating you. Why don't you just sort of slow down for a second, Matt, look at it through just a calmer lens. I'm thinking maybe you should just go down this path a little bit and you'll you'll get to where you want to be. And it's nice to be able to have that advice because when you're an individual agent, there is no one there to kind of look over you to maybe sort of give you that that little bit of support or keep you in check or whatever it is. Yeah, and if things get get off on the wrong foot, you can tag tag out, right? Or pass blame. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you tag out, and then you're like, I don't know what my partner was doing. Let's stop and start over and get things back on, on ground one. And yeah, you know, I mean, we really do need that thing he was fighting for, but I'm so sorry of how that went. Like, <laughs> I don't think I would actually do that, by the way. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I, I've I've totally had a few times where and and both ways, right? Where I've traded out and and my partner, who's also my dad. Um, yes. Yeah, so let's uh, yeah. stop for that for a second. So Jay works with his mom. Yeah. And and you guys are a partnership. Yeah. So I'll, you guys, in a lot of ways, kind of go where each other goes. Not all of the time, but you are no, very yeah. aware of all of the dealings with every yeah. one of your clients. For sure. Right? And yeah. often we'll do things like listing presentations together so we can both meet everybody involved and then and then from there it'll be one or the other of us will will do appointments otherwise you know if we're both doing the same thing all right. the time then what's the point in having a team right uh, but yeah. you you establish rapport with both of you yes. and you yeah, feel that you're sure. even though there's a lead you're interchangeable in each way yes and yeah. jeff yours is a little different yeah so and and i i guess in in jay's model matt's example earlier of I didn't know I was working with a team. I guess that probably doesn't happen to you. No, very often. no, no. They people, everybody knows going in for the most part. And if, if they don't, they find out right at the beginning. They, they we, we tell them all about us and um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Dad and I's model is pretty much the opposite of that. <laughs> um, we uh, essentially share marketing. And we will help each other out. Uh, like there's lots of times where one of us needs to be in two places and the other and the other person has the ability to take one of those positions and will fill in. But the majority of dad's clients are people who want to work with dad. And the majority of my clients are people who want to work with, with me. And, and I would say to the point where like a lot of times when I'm hiring or when I'm signing a listing agreement, when we're going through it, they'll say oh like when do i meet mick and and i'll say like if you want to meet mick you're more than welcome to but if you don't go out of your way you, you know you you probably won't meet mick um <laughs> he'll he'll be there he may do some of your open houses he may do that but i'm always going to be your point of contact unless i'm out of town um and people i think one of the nice things about the way we do it is it's kind of nice to have a unified voice that you're you're dealing with. Um, I do see the advantage of ha- introducing both parties. One of the problems is a lot of times, like to me, one of the biggest advantages of working on a team is being able to split your resources. Um, real estate can be a very time-consuming business of I can only be in one place at a time and I need to be here, 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 and here today. I can't do it all. Having a team member to say, okay, why don't you take point with these guys um, and then I'll take point with these guys and away we'll go. Uh, works out really well for us and, and for the people who decide to work with us, they seem to to enjoy it. Um, the biggest advantage of being on a team though uh, for us is, is you're never going to be like, oh, I can't get a hold of my realtor. He's away for vacation or whatever, which would be with all of the team models that we're, yes. we're dealing with. There's always somebody there and when I go away, I let people know. Like okay, you're you're gonna meet Mick. <laughs> <laughs> it's an exciting time for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Matt, of all of us, you guys are the newest team. Sorry, the new West guys. New you West. Pro- you pronounced it right. Not newest guys. New New, new West. West new West. I don't know. I think there might have been a misprint. It looks like newest, yeah. newest guys. To be yeah, like. there's a tongue twister in there. Um, how has the tradition transition been? Because both Jay and I. I think our entire real estate careers, we've been on a team. Like I've never been a solo agent. Um, So, and you guys do trade off 
you're probably somewhere in the middle between our business models as far as... Yeah, between Jeff and Jay, yeah, I'd say I land in the middle Yeah, with Jeremy. Yeah, your Goldilocks is just right, Porridge. <laughs> um, so when you're getting clients... Well, first of all, have you had clients yet that were past clients when you were an individual? Yes. And how has is, how is the transition gone to, okay, I was a solo agent, now there's this team model? Well, with any client that we have now, new or existing, yeah, the idea always is they have one primary point of contact. Okay, so that there is a there's some consistency there. So you do establish like, okay, Jer's on point with these guys. Yeah, okay. and, and it can come for a variety of reasons. It might be that well, um, you know, we, we we've got quite a few listings right now, and you know, Jeremy's on point for five of them, and Matt's on point for one of them, and he's got a few buyers. So Matt has more capacity, so he's probably the best resource to for you to have because you know he's maybe a little more available to talk about listings or um, it might just be that it's in Jeremy's old building. He used to live in the Murano lofts, right? right? His favorite building. Well, he's going to be the point man on every one of those. Yeah. He's got that locked down. Yeah. So even if it was one, maybe one of my clients, I might be like, guys, I, I want you to speak with Jeremy right. because he's got just all this extra special insight. So there are circumstances where we might spin it different ways, but we want them to have one point of contact, but we also do the Jay and Allison thing where at the beginning Everybody new yeah. meets both of us. Okay. We, we establish that rapport and that relationship. So in the event that that person is unavailable because they're spending time with their family that day and it's their day off or they've gone on holiday or whatever it is, there is already a certain level of established trust with the, the second person who could come in. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where that comes in with clients. Um, but with all my past clients, I mean, really, they just come to me and I just say to them, oh, hey, by the way, you've probably noticed I've teamed up with somebody. His name's Jeremy, good agent, very competent. Uh, he's an equal partner. He's not a junior or anything like that. Um, and if for some reason I go on holiday or whatever, you got a good agent here who's going to take care of you and is fully aware of what's going on all the time throughout your deal, like what you were saying, Jay, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Kind of always knows what's going on, even though you don't hear from Jeremy, he knows. <laughs> right. So he's a good good person to just kind of fill in. I think that's so important. When I talk to people who are unhappy working with teams, other than just, oh, I wasn't a good fit, it seems to be I was handed down to somebody who wasn't an equal partner. Like, I thought I was hiring so-and-so, and and then he passed me off to his minion. And I think nobody wants to feel like they're getting the the lower-end model, for lack of a better phrase you know what i mean i totally know what you mean you know especially when i think a lot of real estate teams throughout all of metro vancouver uh, they're looked at as being um you know, essentially more successful than individuals, right? Because with economies yes. of scale, you have bigger marketing. Sure. So you have a, the, you do tend to do more business. If and an more agent volume. has 30 people mm-hmm. working for him, he must be a big deal. Yeah. You, you clearly, you figured out something that you're doing right and you're getting a lot of volume. So you may be getting hired based on your past track record that they want you because your name is associated with this success. Yeah. So when they don't get you, certainly that, that feels like a demotion. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that, that could be a, a bit of a challenge there with teams. So I, I want to go back to one thing though, cause I'm working with this new team and you've asked about challenges of working with, you know, moving into it from being an individual for a few years and as, a, as a full partnership where we are equals, it is challenging sometimes. Is it hard not to be the dictator anymore? Um, 
Well, no, because we're both always going to share our opinion. Yeah. And eventually we just have to decide how to do it. Um, but we do have maybe different approaches to negotiating or some of those things. Oh. And I did learn recently that I was on holiday and Jeremy started a negotiation and then I finished it. And we did not approach it the same way and it, it didn't didn't look so good. So the learning from that is probably make sure whoever starts it finishes it um, right. or whatever it is. Um, and, uh, and make sure that that's consistent there. The other thing is, and I think we've talked about this at the very beginning of our, our series here, the, the podcast is when I introduced myself, is I started in this business on a team. Right. And I started kind of as a junior agent. Like apprenticing almost. Yeah, it was more of an apprenticeship role and where yeah. I had to go everywhere that Jerry went uh, and and do everything plus do all of my work. Yeah. Um, and and learn everything that I possibly could from him in a couple of years before he retired and then handed everything over to me. Um, so that was a weird one because now the clients again liked it because like, well, Jerry's here, he's overseeing all of it. But then we got this guy running around working super hard and kind of yeah. being everywhere. And, and the clients seemed to appreciate that as well. They were never getting handed off to me. Right. Um, but it was different because there was one person who was the boss. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to mention as an advantage to a team when there is a hierarchy and there's a boss. The people who do work under them, maybe it's a minion as you describe them or a junior agent, but they have way more accountability. Right. Boss has accountability too, though, because they're responsible to other people. And then the junior agents, they go, well, the boss is going to come to me this week and say, did you call these people and make the proper follow-ups? Have you done all of the tasks? Because I have created a, a successful model that will help our clients succeed if you do all of these things. And as an individual agent, you can sometimes be like, man, this week's tough. Like, I just didn't get to... Yeah. These six or seven things. But the boss is going to look at you and go, check your boxes. Right. Get the work done. Yeah, because as when you're in real estate, traditionally, unless you have a boss, nobody comes in and is like, hey, did you did you do all the things you were supposed to do? You just, if you don't do those things, you just don't get paid because you didn't sell anything. Yeah, or your client looks at you and says, I don't feel like you did a very good job for me. Right. You told me you were going to keep the post sheets outside of my listing full all of the time, but you forgot because you ended up having a really busy week of appointments and you didn't reload this. And it might be a small thing, but as a team where you have one other person there who's below you, whose job is to monitor these things and run around and do that stuff while you go and get clients, sometimes more of that little stuff gets done on a very defined schedule. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you guys think there are any advantages to not working with a team? Let's let's be fair. I feel like some of the things that people talk about is you're always going to be getting the same person. Yeah. Um, although I've definitely had um, dealings with agents on the other end where, you know, agent A goes out of town and um, I've got nobody to get in touch with because they didn't really leave me any info. So I'm trying to you know, write an offer on their, on their listing. And I'm, I'm sending them mes- messages through our like touch base system or, or making phone calls. And eventually it comes out that they're away and I've, I've got to get in touch with somebody else, but that mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've turned it into a con, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyhow. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess that, that is one thing where they, 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 they say that they'll always be the point of contact, which I mean, generally we have as well anyhow, but, um, yeah, what else? I I think depending on the size of of the team, there's probably some merit to um not being a tiny cog in a giant machine. Like I would imagine if you're hiring a realtor who's an individual um and they're doing a good amount like Courtney on last episode talked about how she prefers that she's a boutique realtor. 
And I, I think one advantage to using a realtor who is good at what they're doing but small is you're going to get a lot of attention. Whereas on yeah. some of these big teams that are doing gigantic volume, you may or may not be the highest priority thing that week or that even month. Yeah, and you need to fit in. Again, I've talked about their defined system. You need to fit in within the parameters of that. So you're getting your phone call Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Right. And we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the week I'm busy because I have 25 other phone calls to make. Yeah. Versus an individual agent who is connected with their local market but doing less volume but really intimately connected with their client, their one transaction. Maybe they've got two or three listings at a time and they are just like – just deep in as far as they can go just monitoring everything specifically to do with those listings and giving them like that specific attention that's an interesting point that kind of gets away from teams versus individuals i don't remember in episode four did we talk about whether or not it makes sense to go with the biggest guy in town was that did we get into that i don't remember that we did i don't remember getting into that at all but there's definitely i think no matter what agent you hire whether it's the biggest person or a small person I think asking the question, like, how much time do you have for me is really worth worth thinking about before you hire somebody. And, and what is a reasonable expectation? Are you going to call me every day? Are you going to call me once a week? Do I have to call you? Like, what? how are we going to communicate? And do you have time to communicate with me at the level that I want to? Because you might be totally comfortable as a listing, like, having your place for sale and your agent calls you once a week with an update. Or you might want to know an hour after every showing. Well, what's the feedback? Are they capable of that? Because <laughs> <laughs> they may or may not, no matter what size they are. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so we've we've covered a lot of what I thought was 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 good core content for listeners when they when think thinking about a team. But uh, Jay, do you have anything sort of on your radar there that you wanted to bring to the discussion? Well, I think we've we've sort of covered it all already, but I think one of one of the biggest things, if if somebody's considering hiring a a realtor, especially if you're looking at teams, is just to know what sort of team structure they have and 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 how you're going to be um, how they're going to be dealing with you and whether they're going to be passing you on or point of contact, etc. Right. Um, yeah, and, and as, as you had mentioned, there, there are so many different sort of styles of teams and. Um, just knowing, knowing, knowing exactly how you're going to be dealt with is, is a huge thing. And mm-hmm. a lot of people might not understand that. I'm looking at my notes here too. And one thing that we haven't talked about that has always been helpful to me. No, I, I do it in our office anyway. We've talked about how our office is collaborative. We can share information and ask for advice. Yeah. But when you are a team and you're both signed on as a designated agent for the seller, you can share all of the details with another person. Right. Right. You you can all of that confidential information is now in house. It's within the minds of two different agents or more. And I find that's really helpful sometimes when maybe you're having a tough time thinking of the right price for a property asking price or pricing strategy or just, just what, how does my listing fit into the marketplace? And as one individual, we all have our own opinions. And we all have our own blind spots. Yes. I, I've never finished a CMA without running it by dad and being like, hey, what do you think of my price here? And most of the times he looks at it and he's like, yeah. I'd price it exactly the same place. But every once in a while, he's like, oh, you didn't throw this property in there. Why didn't you think of that one? And that's super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've got as a, a big advantage uh, when you're you're in there as a team. Um, it, for me, it's just always been helpful because 
it's impossible not to kind of, I guess, blind spots is a great sort of phrase, but just second guess myself a little bit every time I'm looking mm-hmm. at it. I go, I always get a gut feeling early on when I'm pricing a property, but then I want to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And is that confirmation bias or is that like, it's nice to have a, another set of eyes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like that. I've talked about it with negotiating. I've talked about it with pricing, just being able to soundboard ideas off of somebody who's internal and you can share all of the confidential information with instead of being like, hey, so Jeff, I have this uh, two bedroom, mm-hmm. um, I can't tell you exactly. I'm in kind of a difficult situation with the seller, but I can't tell you what's going wrong with them. Um, but if you were in this situation that I can't tell you exactly everything about, what do you think you would do? Yeah. And in fairness, at this table, we have those conversations <laughs> and we do our best. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you can get more out of your, your trusted colleague when you know they're in the inner circle. Yeah. Right. So that's that's been a good one for me there. I think going further on on perspectives too, just just having sort of different different backgrounds on things and um, and being in different age groups, uh, gender, etc. I think just you can have so many different varied. So the new West guys are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> same yeah, exactly. age, same gender, same social circles. What we're noticing here is that there's a lot of diversity in teams, big, small, the way the dynamic is with the partnership with different people. So there's a lot of choice for consumers in the marketplace. And then we understand, too, that individual realtors bring them a lot of options as well. And understanding what structure you're walking into and who or what you're hiring, team or individual, is going to uh, be something that you really want to know before you, you dive in. I think that when it all boils down to one of the biggest things when, when choosing a realtor, whether it's a team or an individual, is just do you get, do you get along? Do, you, do your personalities sit a mesh? And, yeah. um, and that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things. Like, could, could you be friends with this person? I mean, you're not, you're not looking to, to get a friend out of it necessarily, but I mean... You, Says you, the you, friendliest you, guy in real estate. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm serious though. Like, you, you, need, you need to be able to communicate on the same level and, um, and, and get along. I, I think that's completely right, Jay. I, I think the trick is everything that applies to an individual agent still applies to a team. Yeah. But you need to, like Matt said, know that you're hiring a team and make sure that you're not just in line with that one individual agent, that you're in line with whatever the whole model is. So there's kind For of almost sure. more responsibility, I think. There is. And I guess now I have to add to this because I feel like Jay's made such a good point about making friends with your agent or knowing that you could be friends with them. Yeah. It's just devastating to find out that that's the person you connected with and that now that is not now your primary point of contact. Yeah, for sure. That's really for what you sure, want to yeah. avoid. I think for me as a summary of this whole topic, that's what I want the consumer to avoid. Yeah. Make sure you ask the right questions. Check out the big brain on bread. How's it working out for you? What? Being clever. Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Question of the week. This week comes from a client again uh, of mine. It turns out it's a really simple answer, but I couldn't answer it on the spot. And I thought, well, this is at least something that we should all be aware of. Uh, Did you think of the answer as soon as you left the client? Absolutely not. No, it required research. Okay. <laughs> so I will ask you and you can see if you can answer. But I had I researched to make sure I had the answer before. We... So this is more like test of the week. You know the answer and you're going to see if we know. Well, the client asked the question. I think okay. it's a valuable question for listeners okay. in a small segment. We'll get back to you in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jay, get on your iPhone. <laughs> So oh, you don't have an iPhone. We're, we're breaking things down. We're, no. we're thinking of making an offer and uh, the concept of foreign buyer taxes on their mind. 
and it's oh, I'm not going to know the answer no, to this. I don't know the answer to this. Okay. But but it was that he says, well, uh, there's, there's there's the two of us, and I've been living and working out of Canada for over five years. That's where all of my income has been coming from, has been the States. Mm-hmm. Um, does that affect me with foreign buyer tax? Are they a Canadian so, citizen, citizen? So he's a, he is a Canadian citizen? He is a Canadian citizen. But he's not a resident. Uh, well, he's not active, he has not actively lived in Canada for five years. And, had, and all of his taxes, well, I shouldn't say, I don't know how his taxes are structured. I just know all of the income came through, you know, in the States where he was working. So the correct answer is, uh, you need to talk to your accountant. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, though, that as long as you're a citizen or living as a permanent resident, that you don't have to pay any foreign buyer tax. But, he, and but he's correct. But was he a permanent resident? Sorry, maybe I missed that. No, they're that, a Canadian but... citizen. He's a Canadian citizen, citizen. And it turns out Canadian citizen, full stop. No foreign That's buyer tax. That's just end of discussion. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's really good to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even if I'm living in London, buying an investment in Canada, as long as I'm a Canadian, I will never pay foreign buyer tax. Correct. Correct. Fantastic. So good to know. Yeah. Short, sweet. Good yeah. question of the week. Thanks, Eric. I'm glad I knew that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I brought you on, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> it's story time with Jer. Great story compelling and rich it's not always my story no it's not always your story what if matt has an awesome story to tell well he can tell it to me or write it down and i will (laughs) paraphrase this is multiple offers a real estate show okay so this story is actually an update to something i talked about last episode so uh Jay, I'm, I'm sure you listened to the episode. <laughs> oh, 100%. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, but I was dealing uh, with an agent who we'd been negotiating for days and days and days because she didn't have somebody watching her business while she was away and she was on this gigantic hike. Right. So she should have had a team. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're negotiating, we're negotiating. Uh, finally, I get a text message from her. I'm back in town. And then all of a sudden, everything starts moving fast. It's like a normal negotiation again. It's amazing. We send a counter in to her in the morning, and it's like she's gone again. We don't hear anything. And midday, she sends a question saying, you mentioned that the elevator needed repairing. I forgot to put a hold back in the clause. I'm going to have to add that to the contract. Now, there was a lot of money negotiated off this price. And so I responded, because we talked about it and you didn't put it in there, I assumed you had already factored that into the price, and that's why we're entertaining it at this price, because there's a $10,000 bill. We thought, like, the price we're offering you includes the fact that you're going to have to pay a $10,000 bill. Right. So So I hear nothing back. Hours go by. And I have never had this happen in real estate Another agent calls and says, I have an offer for you. And I'm like, okay, I've been negotiating for days, days, but the agent is here. Let me see what I can do. Um, he's like, I'm, I'm writing. I'm going to send it over to you right now. I email the other agent. Our counter offer is retracted. At the same time I'm emailing that, 
she emails me the accepted offer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I literally finished sending, hers popped up in, in my email. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and I, I had to call, Gail's our manager at the office, and I, I had to call Gail, and I'm like, how does this work? And Gail's like, you got to look at the timestamps, because you, in case people don't know, this is something I think most people don't, don't know. It doesn't actually matter what time you sign that contract. It matters when it was conveyed. It, an offer can be pulled off the table at any point until it has actually been conveyed to uh, the listing agent. Um, but they were like ships passing in the night. <laughs> and uh, we looked at the times and they were like, first of all, her there was no timestamp. She must have been sitting there in person at her office with the client as she did it because it wasn't it wasn't DocuSign or anything. There was no oh, timestamps yeah, okay. on it. And Gail kind of looked at the emails and she's like, I mean, you can get lose plus or minus a couple minutes in translation. I don't think any judge in the, I think you've just got an accepted offer. And we did. And I mean, at the end of the day, the client, we took the other one as a backup offer, which put us in a really nice position when they wanted to come back to us about stuff and they ended up removing subjects. But what a weird situation. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. With, with emails, like if, if it is that close, is there a? It's not down to the second of timestamp either. So they could they could happen in the same minute, even if one's. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think if it was within like probably even like ten minutes, yeah, a judge would probably say like, no, no, these guys signed it. You had an offer. Yeah, um, yeah. I would see them looking at it through that lens, especially all the time that was gone into it and what was communicated. Yeah. They'd say, I think where a judge would side on on the seller's behalf and i'm not a lawyer but my my opinion is that um if you could look at it and be like no they clearly received the email then signed the offer and then sent it to you like if they went through the whole process after they'd received the email and you could make an argument like look this is 10 minutes later i've got a red receipt they obviously they got it and decided to sign it even though it had been retracted at that point I think you could make a case to a judge, although what a judge would decide is probably up to the judge. So, <laughs> to, yes, and probably not worth pursuing. No, no, <laughs> and and I mean our our backup offer was a little bit higher, but not not enough to make you cry at night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to share that with you guys. That's a good story. That was nuts. Yeah, I, I've got a little add-on to story time because you, you were saying, um, hey, we last episode we talked about this, and then it reminded me that there's something else from last episode we wanted to mention. Uh, oh. Just a little shout-out to Mike Kelly. Oh, yes. Yeah, one of our listeners, Mike Kelly, was... Okay, Matt, stall for time while he was, I figure he this was, out. He was very astute when listening to our segment on buying uh, pre-sales. And uh, Courtney was talking about how um, you get pre-approved during your seven-day rescission period, but then you also have to be aware that whenever the completion actually comes from the project, if it's a year later or two years later or three years later, the bank needs to approve you again. And we were telling stories like, and Jay, you've probably heard of this stuff, where you know, don't go buying an expensive car right before this new project completes, you know, yeah. changing your credit score and all the rest of it, um, because people have done it and they get declined. Or don't apply for many, many different <laughs> credit cards, <laughs> et cetera. Yeah, because you have to do essentially completely redo your application for financing. But Mike has informed us that we were not entirely right on that advice. Yeah. So Mike sent in a message just Sorry, saying- and who is Mike? Okay, so Mike Kelly is an RBC mortgage specialist. 
uh, he listened to the episode and and he sent us just a quick note uh, saying, you know, how amazing the episode was, but that that he just wanted to let people know. Uh, Courtney mentioned that you had to get requalified, and he said that with a lot of lenders, that is true. But RBC does have a package. It's called the No Look Back Program, and they can hold whatever they pre-qualify for you for 36 months currently, and they're actually doing a trial right now to hold some buildings as long as 48 months. Um, he said the larger, taller buildings are the ones that they're starting with with the with the uh, trial run at this other one. Um, and if um, if people have any any questions about that, maybe we could put Mike Kelly's uh, contact info in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put Mike's info in the show notes, and uh, yeah. you know, and maybe if any other listeners realizing they want to fact check me, go ahead. Yeah, you know, if it's not only RBC, uh, we're certainly interested in learning that. Well, and we're definitely not saying it's only. Yeah. Just that's what Mike works for RBC, and he was like, "Hey, wait a second, <laughs> that's not how it works for us." So, yeah. th- and I think that's worth worth noting for people yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, a good little add on there. Appreciate that feedback from him. Very, very helpful. And um, I will say that uh, after two weeks without Jeremy Ray joining us on the show, I'm going to give uh, the best guarantee I can that he will be back next okay, week. So, just tell us the truth, Matt. Did, like, did you lock him in your trunk? Like, where, 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 where's Jeremy, Matt? Where's Jeremy? So you remember earlier when I was telling you we had some disagreements about how that negotiation went? <laughs> it went really poorly. Yeah, we got in a bit of a scrum. Um, and he's been telling people he fell down the stairs, but it's better if he just stays somewhere for a little while. Wow. Okay, well, uh, hopefully we'll have Jeremy back next episode to uh, defend his honor, and it'll be really good to, to have him back. Uh, Jay, thank you very much for yeah, joining for us today. Me. Thanks, Jay. If thanks, people guys. want to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for them to find you? You can find me at Remax Advantage. Uh, our office number is 604-526-2888. You can find me on the interwebs, uh, thehazelwoodteam.com. Um, I'm on the Instagram, uh, the Hazelwood team as well, Jay Hazelwood. Um, I don't know. Google me. Google me up. Cool. And, and and Matt and Jeremy, if he's still alive, are at thenewwestguys.com. Uh, you can find me at realestatenewwest.com. Uh, that's going to do it for today. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, it's really helping us uh, find new listeners, and we really appreciate that. Um, and we will see you guys back here next week. Jay, you posted some sort of scientific concoction on Instagram. What 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 are you making in your basement? What what's happening over there? Um, well, not not the meth. Um, yeah, just, just kidding. Um, yeah, I was making making beer. Um, so I'm very very much a beginner. So I had uh, had some help from my my brother in law came over and he's he's been making beer for years and years and years. And so he sort of walked me through the whole process and. Uh, we got one of those big uh, sort of turkey fryers connected to a uh, propane tank and put it out on my back patio and fired her up and did, hmm. a, did a boil. And now I've got um, sitting in my basement a uh, batch of hopefully what will be a, an awesome uh, sort of golden Belgian style strong ale. How long does it take before you know whether you succeeded or not? That's uh, a really good question. 
Thanks, Matt. <laughs> it's looking like it'll it'll be will have been about two weeks. I'm about a week and a half in. So this this weekend we'll get to sort of bottling. I've got to sort of test the specific gravity, which I think means alcohol content, or it, it translates to alcohol content. Mm. And, and whether it, once it's sort of remained the same for for a few days, then that's when it's ready to go. So there is like two weeks of just mystery where you just you set it sort and you of, just yeah. kind of hope. Yeah, there's I mean, no, I'm, there's no way of knowing if it actually is going to taste like beer. It is. It is. I, I am monitoring it. I've got like it's. I mean, it's. Just, it's. I mean, it's really just sitting there in my basement. I've got like a, a little uh, 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 thermometer thing that just sort of gets taped to the side, essentially, and it, it. It's. We're trying to keep it like right around the same temperature, which is it's pretty pretty good and uh, doesn't fluctuate in my basement much. And you can sort of see it bubbling away as, as the yeast is as doing its job and gobbling up mm. all the sugar, sugars and creating alcohol. So, um, you know, it's started to slow down now. So, um, but yeah, really, really no idea if, it, if it's if it been screwed up. The only real thing I think, I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm totally a beginner at this. Yeah. But if, if it got contaminated in some way, then that could throw off the whole thing. But as long as, as, long as we kept everything clean and sanitized, <laughs> keep then it um, <laughs> keep it clean, use protection, um, then it, it should be okay. So... Is it less high risk? Like, you know, if you make moonshine and you make it bad, like people can go blind. Right. Yeah. Is beer lower risk than that? Yes, because the alcohol content will never be as high as moonshine. So I don't okay. think you can go blind from, from that. It'll but, just uh, be gross. Yeah. You would taste it and it would, be, it would be disgusting and you'd throw it out because you don't like it. But um, you could probably hmm. still still have a few. Moonshine is always disgusting. <laughs> Although I guess if, if it's got a lot of bacteria in it, maybe it would make you feel kind of rotten. I don't know. What what kind of beer did you make? It's a it's a it's a Belgian style golden strong ale. Hmm. Yeah. So the strong part means it's going to be stronger than the usual. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be like somewhere in the today eight ish percent range, but we'll we'll see once we once we test it out and are ready for bottling. When when will you be giving Steel and Oak a run for their money? <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be selling out of my basement. Uh, yeah. and uh, this weekend I guess. Okay. <laughs> Matt and I think I think we'll be your first customers if, if you'll have us. Yeah, actually, I don't think I'm allowed, I'm allowed to sell, so I'll, I'll just be giving away freebies. So uh, we're, I'm cheaper than stealing. Out. If there's anything worse <laughs> from the Drew Carey store in the 1990s, is you just sell tickets right. to your basement. Uh, that's the way to do it. <laughs> not yeah, selling yeah. drinks, you're selling yeah. tickets to an event. Although I'll probably be not nowhere near as good as stealing Oak, but you know I could try. Hey, you well, got to start somewhere, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, we've already started sort of planning out uh, uh, what we're going to do this 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 winter. We're thinking of doing like a like a Christmas themed porter of some sort, maybe like a um, cranberry porter or something like that. Kind of, you know. So, could this become like a full on hobby? I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I've I've done beer out of kits like in the past. It's been like ten years probably since I've done it, so I'm way mm. rusty and don't know what I'm doing. But um, but yeah, I'd I'd like to continue doing it. I've got a bunch of the gear, so. I'll probably do do at least a few a year, hopefully. Cool. Yeah. 